Revelation, last weekend we had Easter and Good Friday. Who was there for our Easter and Good Friday service? Can I see a show of hands? Wow, nearly everybody was there. So that's wonderful. You know why? Because today, as we do Luke chapter 9, it's going to be a continuation of our Good Friday and Easter sermon. Can you all remember what was the theme for Good Friday and Easter? Marked. Yes, because all of you were marked, right? By this time, we're doing Luke. So you might be Luke. No, no, just <laughs> fail, fail. Never mind a mess. Anyway, the title of my message today is Dying to Live, right? Are you dying to live the life that you think you know, or are you in the process of dying so that you can live the life that God has for you? So you can read it as dying to live or dying to live, all right? So there's a play of words there. Not bad, right? Not bad, right? Okay. So let's, let's, let's look to Luke chapter 9, verse 23 to 26. And if, if we can all read this together, that'd be wonderful. One, two, three. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when He comes in glory and in the glory of the Father and of the Holy Spirit. Today, we are going to dive into verse 23 that says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Another translation, it says, must deny your space self, okay? It doesn't say deny yourself. It says deny your space self. That means deny self, all right? So, but I'm just wanna, I just want to recap from Good Friday and Easter. We said our theme was marked. Right? And we derive, we got that theme from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. When you believe, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit. So if you remember the recap of Good Friday and Easter, we are all marked by sin or past incidences or circumstances in our past or our presence. Then Jesus came and took our marks and marked Himself in a landmark event for us, the crucifixion of the cross. And then after that, Ephesians 13, when we believe, Jesus then marks us in Him. Ephesians 13, when you believe, you were marked in Him. You got a birthmark, a spiritual birthmark, which is the Holy Spirit. So right now, all of us here, we have the Holy Spirit within us. But what does it mean to have the Holy Spirit within us? Okay? So what is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, the third person of the triune God. What does that mean? He is God. So what does that mean? That means you have God in you right now, right now. So let's see what can the Holy Spirit do, okay? Let's to Scripture, Romans 8, 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. So the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead, that same power is in you. The Holy Spirit has power to raise people from the dead. Romans 15, verse 19. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. See, this shows the power of the Holy Spirit to perform signs and wonders. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever, persuasive speech, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. What does this show? The Holy Spirit gives us power to preach the gospel, not in a sophisticated, elegant manner, but simple and plain, with 
conviction and revelation because the Spirit is alive. And it gives us that power, power to raise people from the dead, power to perform signs, wonders, and miracles, power to preach the gospel plainly with persuasion, with conviction. Romans 8, 26-7, it says, it gives us the ability to pray. The Holy Spirit helps us to pray. John 15, 26 says, the Holy Spirit testifies about what is true. It is truth within us. All right? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts. There is so many things about the Holy Spirit. And all of this, all of this is within the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is in us. He's in all of us. Imagine that. Isn't that wonderful? Yes? Yes? And it's not because of what we did. No. All we did was just believe. Ephesians 1.13. When you believed, all we did was believe. Jesus did everything for us. He took our marks upon Himself. He marked Himself and He went to the cross crucified for us. And because of that, only when we believe, then, now, we have the Holy Spirit. But now, now that you have that Holy Spirit, powerful, mighty, third person of the Trinity within you, what now? What now? How do we live out our life to release the power of the Holy Spirit in us and through us? And that is what we are going to be talking about today. That's why I say it's a continuation of Good Friday and Easter. All right? You already have the Holy Spirit now. When you believe, now we're going to release it. We're going to learn about releasing it. Okay, from Luke chapter 9. So before I move on, I want to set a basis right now. All right? I want to set, that was my introduction. I want to set a basis. All of us, every single one of us, we are made of three parts. All right? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says we are made of spirit, soul, and body, right? Spirit, soul, and body. Can you show the next slide? I can show you. The spirit, am I right here? Soul and body. What is the spirit? The spirit is where life exists. You know, in Genesis, it says, God breathed the ruach of God into Adam. What is that ruach of God? It is the spirit of God. It is the life of God being breathed into us. And he breathed into us. And that's how we got our spirit. It's where life begins. It's where our life is. Then we have the soul. What is this soul? This soul is where our personality is. Our feelings, our emotions, our ambition, our hope, our mental state is. This is where you, have, where you start to think, I need to have a balance in life. I need a bit of mental well-being, mental health, emotional health. This is where our hope our desires all stay. And then we have the body, the physical body where we have our tissues and our organs and everything, right? Everything. And what is in our body? Our body is driven by the five senses, right? Touch, feel, smell, hear, taste. Taste, five. And the, our body is affected by the things around us, externalities. That's why we are exposed to illness, sickness, we are affected by aging. That's our body. While our soul and our spirit is not. You see, when you are not a Christian, when you're not a Christian, your spirit is in dormant state because you do not have the Holy Spirit to awaken you. You start to live out of your soul. You live a soul life, all right? Your spirit has not come alive yet. Your spirit is dormant. And this creates confusion in the world these days. Why? Why do I say that? Because your soul is all about your feelings. Feelings. Chicha on the ceiling. It's all about feelings, all right? You know, you, we have a lot of confusion these days. It's a pressing topic, right? Gender identity. I feel like I am a different gender, therefore I am. I feel like an object, therefore I am. It is always, I feel 
therefore I am. It becomes me, me, me. I feel I'm so stressed. I feel I'm depressed. I feel I'm anxious. I feel, I feel all me. And when you are not a Christian, you live out of this soul life where feelings is top priority. See, but when you believe in Jesus, Ephesians 1.13, when you believe, you are marked in Jesus with the Holy Spirit. And you have the Holy Spirit in your spirit. Now your spirit is awakened. Now it's no longer dormant. It's alive. It's connected to the one that gives life. It's connected to the one that gives the Holy Spirit. It comes alive. And a Christian is supposed to live from this spirit life. We are all spiritual beings. We are all spiritual. God breathed His Ruach because that we have spirit. We are spirit that has a soul in a body. All right? Very simple. And there is no confusion when we live from the spirit. Why? Because the spirit, the Holy Spirit is God. There's no gender so he pulls your identity back to God, back to who God says you are. And he says you are a son. You are a daughter of God. You are a precious one in his eye. You are the apple of his eye. You are a chosen people. He predestined you before you were even born. He knew you. He named you. And that's who you are. And when you live from a position of the spirit, the spirit life, there is no confusion. No confusion. Amen? Amen. And you know, in the spirit, and in this spirit, our, our spiritual life, this is where God deposits everything. He deposits His life. He gives us His prophecies. He gives us His blessing, His anointing, His empowerment. But to release this power, this anointing, this blessing, we have to go through our soul, which is here our soul. I'd like to give you an illustration right now. Just now, Pastor Lee, you talk about Ferrari, right? I see I was talking about Porsche, but then let's move to a Ferrari, okay? <laughs> I like Porsche. I know the models of Porsche. I don't know Ferrari, okay? So, um, right. The illustration is, imagine this. In your, in your home porch, there is a Ferrari. I don't stay in a house, okay? I stay in a condo, which has a car park building. Lah. So in my car park building, let's imagine there is a Ferrari, a nice Ferrari. I don't know how many horsepower the Ferrari has. I know it's usually red in color. It's very powerful. It looks really nice. I don't know the models, but it's really good. And you have that Ferrari in your porch. What's blocking your Ferrari from going out? The gate. The gate. See, the Ferrari is the Spirit of God within you. He's deposited blessings, anointing, empowerment, power. But your soul is in the way for your Ferrari to come out for your gate. You need to open the gate so that the Ferrari can come out. In the same way, you need to work on your soul. You need to deal with your soul so that the power of the Spirit can come out. Can come out. So, if you do not open the gate, you won't be able to drive that Ferrari. If you do not deal with your soul, you will not be able to release that power. You know, many people are unwilling to open this gate. This soul, deal with this soul part. Why? It is because they are not comfortable with it. They are afraid. They, they are... Or worse still, they, they might be willing to get their soul, they're not willing to get their soul out of the way to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Because they're so comfortable. You love life, right? And why, 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 why do people not want to deal with their soul, not want, to deal, not want to open the gate? It's very simple. It is because we are in love with ourselves. We are in love with ourselves, our soul. We love our life so much. And that is keeping us from the life that God has intended for us. A life which is purposeful, destiny-filled, full of power and the promises of God. 
And because we love our soul or our life, we even start to manufacture purposes that are not of God. We start to manufacture meaning of life that did not, was not birthed from God. We start to think, if I were to climb the, the career ladder and become the OOO, the EO, the whatever O, I would be fulfilled. But you realize as you climb, no, you're not fulfilled. I will be a charitable person and I will give to many. As you're giving out, you feel I'm still not fulfilled. Why? I will do this, I will do that, I will champion the human rights cause, I will champion gender equality, I will champion this and that. But you realize you're not fulfilled. Why is that? Now, why is that? So now it comes back to Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross daily and follow me. When Jesus said, deny yourself, deny self, what is this self? This is the soul that we are talking about, remember? The Spirit of God is here. He's given you everything. He's deposited Holy Spirit in you. He's given you power. Holy Spirit has power. He's given you anointing. He's empowered you. He's called you. He's predestined you. But now, we have the soul to deal with. That's why Jesus said, deny self. And when you understand that, that the Holy Spirit is within you, and in order for the power of the Holy Spirit to be released and lived out, it has to go through your soul, then you begin to understand why you need to deny self. You need to deny your soul. And denying self is putting to death your old self. And when people think about this, people think about dying to self, denying yourself, they think it's a huge sacrifice. They think they're giving up their life, they're giving everything they earn for, they, I work so hard, everything, I have to give up everything, you know. But let's look at John chapter 12, verse 24. John chapter 12, verse 24, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. See, the same part in verse 25 is similar to what was mentioned in Luke 9. So what is God saying here? When you deny yourself, or when you're dying to self, when you're dealing with your soul, it's not passing on. It is a planting. So, point number one. When you deny yourself, or when you die to self, or when you deal with your soul, it is a planting, not a passing on. It is a farming, not a funeral. We always think it's a funeral. When a passing on or a funeral happens, what happens? Family gather, you, you take your, your, your dead loved one, come and you bury him or her, and then what happens? Nothing happens. You don't get anything back. You bury your hope, you bury your dreams, right? The only thing that's left is memories. But when you are a farmer and you plant or you farm, you do the same thing. You take a seed, you take a grain, you put it into the ground. But what comes forth? A harvest. It's different. It's very different. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, He took our sinful nature that's within our spirit, from our spirit, He crucified it together with Him, but He did not crucify our soul. Our soul is very much still intact. That's why when we, when we receive Christ, we are still the same person. Yes, the Holy Spirit is within us. Yes, our consciousness now come away because we become alive. We can hear God a bit better, but we are still very much the same person. And God wants us to deal with that. See, for those who do not know Jesus, that's all they have, the soul. That's all they have. They are not aware of their spiritual state and they live from their soul. And that's why emotional well-being, emotional balance becomes top priority. Or right now, mental awareness, mental health becomes top priority. Don't get me wrong. These are very, very good things. But there is actually something more important than all of this. It is 
spiritual health, spiritual well-being. Because they operate out of, the, out of their soul. There's a reason why they operate out of their soul. Because their spirit is empty. No Holy Spirit. No Ferrari inside there. No Ferrari, okay? But for Christians, while emotional balance, emotional well-being, mental health, human rights and all that stuff is important, our top priority is our spiritual well-being. Our spiritual health. Why? Because we are all spirit beings. God breathed His rock into us, His spirit into us. We are all spiritual beings. And we are aware of that. And now we have the Holy Spirit within us. Our spirit man is now awakened. He's alive. See, when you don't have a spiritual life, you cater to your soul life. So in Luke 9, Jesus was saying this. If you are a spiritual person, if you believe, right? And you belong to me, whoever wants to be my disciple, you belong to me, you only have one hindrance. There is one hindrance in living out the life that I'm about to give you. And that hindrance is your soul. It's yourself. All the blessings, the prophetic words, the promises, the destiny, the calling, the power, the purpose, everything that God has given you is trapped in the gate of your spirit. It cannot come out to your soul. But Jesus is saying, I want you to live like how I lived, how Jesus lived. A resurrected life, a supernatural life, an abundant life. And we will need to open that gate and deal with our soul. And how do we open that gate? With a key. And what is that key? It's called the cross. That's why Jesus says, carry your cross daily. See, being a disciple of God is not giving up your sins for Jesus. He's already done that. He's already taken it all away. Being a disciple of God is giving your soul to Jesus. When you first receive Jesus, you become a believer. That's when you got salvation, right? But now, church, we need to grow from being believers, just believers, we need to grow to be disciples, followers of Christ. Grow from believing to following. And this requires us to give up our soul, to deny self. See, the greatest hindrance to your greatest life ever is the unwillingness to give up your current life. The life that you currently live is blocking the life that you have been promised. But there is a fear in giving up this life, and it's real. I know. I know. We all feel it. I feel it. I'm going through it. It's real. You're uncertain whether this life that has been promised is really going to be better. Is it going to be a life of suffering? Is it going to be a life that's devoid of comfort, devoid of peace, devoid of joy, you're uncertain. It's hard. It's hard, right? Because the life that we are currently living right now is actually a very good life. We're comfortable, right? And you know, you know we, I mean, we are all influenced by Western culture over here. So the American dream has been indoctrinated into us. The American dream is what? Have a family, have a good family, wholesome family, you have a house, you have a car, you live enjoyably, you live your life out. That's the American dream. And that's been drummed into us about what a good life is. But I'm telling you, that is a soul life. That is not spirit life. While God wants you to have comfort, while God wants you to have a good life, He wants more than that for you. He wants you to live your life out with so much purpose, with so much fulfillment. He wants that for you. So I'm telling you, it is not a passing on. It is a planting. It is not a funeral. It's a farming. When you deny yourself, when you deny self and deny your soul, it's not wasting it. It is investing it. It is not losing it. It is sowing it. I just want to share a quick testimony. I've shared this, I think, a million times in this place, but this is, illustrates my point so well. Uh, this is the story when I was in Australia. 
I had to get a scholarship to go to Australia. My parents had to work two jobs to send me to Australia for my final year, only one year, you know. So I was really strapped for cash. And it's one point of time, it was two weeks before my next allowance, and I only had 20 Aussie dollars left in my wallet. Zero in my bank account, nothing. And I was at a Christian conference. And what happens in a Christian conference? You worship. After you worship, what happens? Offering. In my mind, no, I'm not going to give offering because 20 Aussie dollars left to last me for two, two weeks. I got enough to buy bread, milk, and Maggi Mee. Okay, maybe Maggi Mee not enough or so. Bread, milk. Well, my plan was eat the bread, drink the milk, expand it in my tummy. I can sleep. Eat one meal a day for one week. After one week, Maggi Mee, Maggi Mee for three days maybe. After that, fast and pray for the next four days until my allowance comes. So spiritual, right? But my head is like, nope, I'm not giving the money because I need to put it to good purpose. It is going to keep me alive. But guess what? Guess what? God said, I want that 20. Then I'm like, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> I know, but God, it was really God. And I just felt God told me that. So I was, while I was trying to debate, debate, after a, a while of debate, I shut down my brain. I said, okay, God, I will give you that 20. I took out the 20, took out from my wallet and put it up in my hand, put up. Because when you take your money out from your wallet, that's one thing. When you put it up, you can't take it down. You take it down and put it back, it was a super embarrassing way. So I'm like, put up. I'm all, I'm all out, I'm all out. When the bucket came, I put it in. And when the bucket passed, I cried. <laughs> Not because I was touched or I had an encounter with God, but because I suddenly had no more money. Poof. I didn't know what I'm going to do. All I knew was I had to trust God. I had to trust God. And you know what? After the conference, right after the conference, I had an aunt call me up. He said, Aaron, I want to bless you. Give me your bank account. I want to give you 500 Aussie dollars. <laughs> what? That's crazy. It's not... It's a planting. It's a planting. It's not a passing on. Right? It's not wasting it, it's investing. Then I'm like, whoa. After that night, my mother calls me up. Aaron, your allowance is early. I can bang in now. I'm going to bang in right now. Then I'm like, whoa. And my allowance was also 500 Aussie. Right? So I've got 1,000 Aussie now. Like, whoa. <laughs> then after that, what happened? Something else happened. The very next day, another relative calls me up and said, Aaron, I know you've been looking for a job in Australia. I was looking for a job. It was, I was strapped with cash. I got you a job. You're now a warehouse person, carry stock in a warehouse. It pays 16 Aussie dollars per hour. You get to work 20 hours a week. Wow. All together you add up, in a month, I get around 2,000 Aussie dollars. When my allowance was only 500 Aussie dollars. And you want to know what? Since then, I have been financially free from my parents. I was able to self-sustain since then. You see... And that was a process of denying self, denying the things that I want, denying my physical needs, denying my cravings from my soul, but saying yes to God. It wasn't, I wasn't wasting it. I was investing it. I wasn't losing that money. I was sowing that money. See, when God, when God asks for your soul, He does not want to nail it on the cross, No. He wants to sow it. Those who love their life, they don't follow Jesus. They only believe in Him maybe. You know, those who love their life, they will avoid the cost of the cross at any cost. Those who love their life so much will lose their life that they seek to preserve. This is the scripture. Those who love their life will miss the greatest life they can ever live. Let's go to point number two. Those he bless, he breaks to be a blessing. Matthew chapter 14 verse 19 says this, Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed. Everyone say blessed. And broke. Everyone say broke. And gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. You see, Jesus blesses it. And whatever He blesses, He breaks so that it can become a blessing to many more. 
So you see, once God blesses you, anoints you, empowers you in your spirit, but if you're not dealing with your soul or the gate, it's not coming out. God needs to break it. And that's why this scripture, Luke 9, denying yourself. Part of denying yourself is God breaking it. I'm going to share with you a biblical secret, all right? We always look in the scripture, we want formulas, we want the secret recipe, we want to do this, we want that. When, when we hear a wonderful testimony, you go up, how did you do that? I'm going to tell you a secret, which is not really a secret. It is brokenness. Brokenness. The formula to live the greatest life you ever live is brokenness. I'm not talking about the brokenness that comes from a tough life. There is a difference from being broken by life and being broken by God. Sometimes it looks the same, but the source behind it is different. You see, three men were nailed on the cross in Golgotha. One man was there because he was broken and he was obedient to the will of his father. The other two was disobedient. They were not broken. Same situation, different source, different people breaking. See, Jesus is the only one that breaks the bread, not others. So I'm not asking you to go and put yourself in a bad situation to break yourself, but I am asking you to go to Jesus and tell Him, no, Jesus, you gave me this blessing, you gave me this anointing, you gave me this power, you gave me the Holy Spirit, now break my will so that this blessing can be a blessing to the multitudes. Some of you are thinking, pastor, pastor, no, 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 I'm already broken, that's why I come to church, I want to be whole, I want to be whole, not broken. Now again, that's not the kind of brokenness that I'm talking about, you know. The, the brokenness that I'm talking about will make you whole. It will make you whole. Why will it make you whole? Because we are spirit beings. And when we come to God, we are merging ourselves, we are bringing ourselves, bending our will, bending our, breaking our will to the will of God. And when that happens, our spirit being now comes back to God. Remember, the Ruach of God, God's life in you, now comes back to the living God where the source is from. That's when you become whole. So, when God breaks you, it is not to break you, break you. It's to make you whole. What does it mean to be broken? It means when your will collides with God's will and your will gives in. Broken, brokenness means not my will be done, but your will be done. Most of us will say this, God, I want to do this. Please bless it. Lord, I want this. Please bless it. I got a new business venture. Would you bless it? Most of us all say this, right? And sometimes we even take out our phone, we Google a scripture. God grants the desires of your heart. God, my heart desires this. Bless it. Let me tell you something, church. That is misuse and misinterpretation of scripture. And God won't bless that. This is soul life. Soul life is always about me, me, me. I feel, therefore, I am. And even if you got your way and have that blessing, you will always stand in the way for what God has for you, the best that God has for you. Brokenness is when your will bends and breaks to His will. And church, there are people that can still operate without being broken. You, people can still do miracles without, broken, without being broken. God will just say, I do not know you. Who are you? You can still preach the word of God without being broken. You can still be a pastor of a mega church and not be broken. You can be a successful businessman that helps many and not be broken. You can, all, you can achieve all of that and not be broken. See, it's not brokenness when we get God to bless our own will. It's brokenness when we join the will that He has blessed. It is not, I want to do this, bless it. No, 
it is God, break me, bend me, so I can join the wheel that you have already blessed for me. That is brokenness. That is what God wants to do. And how should we pray about this? We pray, God, break me. Yes, we pray that God break me. Oh, He's ready to break you. Trust me. That is one of the fastest, fastest things God moves. You pray for a lot of things, it takes a while. When you pray, break me, yeah, when you get out, yeah, something, something, yeah. Trust me, okay? So when you pray, break me, you also pray, God, when you break me, help me to be yielded to you. Help me to be surrendered to you. I don't want to be stubborn. I want to yield to you and I want to open that gate so that the spirit, your spirit, your power, the dreams you have for me, the hope you have for me can be released and lived out in the world. Those he breaks, those he bless, he breaks to be a blessing. And there are many, many examples in, in the Bible. Moses, God broke him. He was a prince of Egypt. God broke him. 40 years as a shepherd and then speech impediment. But he broke him and then he became a blessing. He became the vessel that God used for Israel's redemption, Israel's freedom. Joseph, God bless him, gave him a dream. But he had to go through that breaking. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was thrown into prison because he was framed. He was forgotten in prison. But then after that, he was a blessing. He became the prime minister of Egypt, leading them out, out of famine. Abraham, God bless him. He said, you will be the father of many nations. Then God breaks. says, give me Isaac. Sacrifice Isaac. He brings Isaac. God provided a lamb, a ram. And then Abraham became the father of nations. And more than that, a friend of God. I'm at point number three. Carry your cross to carry your calling. Because if you do not carry your cross, you will miscarry your calling. Genesis chapter 16 is a story about Hagar, right? Hagar was Sarah's slave, all right? There was a promise to Abraham saying that he will be father of many nations. They waited very long. No, they took things in their own hands. So Sarah decided, hey, why don't I marry my slave to you, Abraham? And then maybe you can have a child and then the, the fulfillment will come. Abraham's like, sure, cool, all right, let's do it. Then Hagar was married to Abraham, became his wife, got pregnant. And when you're pregnant, it means you have something in you. There is something new, there is life in you. But when, you get, when Hagar got pregnant, she got prideful and she got arrogant. You see, she was only a slave to Sarah. But now she's a wife and she's pregnant faster, earlier than the original wife. What does that make you feel? You feel more superior, right? Hagar felt superior and this pride got into her. And she probably flaunted over Sarah. You're not pregnant. You still ask me to do things? Excuse me, pregnant lady here. Please, do it yourself, you know? So then... Sarah, not taking this in, take things into her own hands, right? And then the Bible said that Sarah was harsh to Hagar. Now, Hagar gets offended and hurt, right? Because the Bible said Sarah was harsh to Hagar. She was offended and hurt and she ran away. Some of us might be thinking, Sarah, that's a terrible thing to do. Why did you do that? But you see, Hagar was prideful and arrogant, Right? So because sometimes when you are pregnant, you become prideful and arrogant. I'm not talking about a physical pregnancy. I'm talking about when God anoints you for something, when God chooses you for something, when He empowers you from something, when He blesses you, you think, I have arrived. I'm there. I'm this, I'm that. I'm all that. We get that sometimes. We get that sometimes. You know? Instead of coming broken, God... I still need you. I still need your help. I've not arrived. No, you go before me, before anything else. See, God wants you to be broken. He doesn't want you to be prideful and arrogant. And that's why He needs to break us. So you got blessed. Without brokenness, 
it is still your own way. It is not God's way. And if it's your way, God can't bless it. Ask Jacob. Jacob met with God, encountered God, right? He wrestled with God. And he didn't want to let God go until he got blessed. So God blessed him. But then what did God do after that? He breaks Jacob's hip. Why? Because Jacob was known as a guy that always runs away. Anything happened, he runs away. Anything happened, he runs away. He runs away from everything his whole life. But now with a broken hip, he cannot run because he's limping. If I do a mistake, I cannot run away fast. I'm limping. I can only depend on God to now save me because I'm limping. That was his cross to carry. God is saying, I can't use those I don't break. So you see, Hagar was offended, right? She went away into the wilderness. And that's where a lot of us run away to when we are offended. Oh, my pastor offended me. My leader offended me. I will leave church. And you end up in the wilderness. You end up lost. Don't go into the wilderness. Hagar went to the wilderness. The angel of the Lord appeared to her. And she probably think, ah, he's going to comfort me. He's going to redeem me. But no, the angel of the Lord said, return to your mistress. Return. And the mistress was a harsh mistress. Return to your harsh, harsh mistress and submit to her. Wow. That's crazy, right? That's crazy. You're probably thinking, why? Why? If I am Hagar, I'm thinking, God, aren't you going to deliver me? God, I don't need, I don't need Sarah. I can, I can rely on myself. I can be on my own. And Sarah, Hagar was probably thinking that, I don't need Sarah. But then the angel of the Lord now continues and says, after return and submit, you are pregnant. She knows she's pregnant. But he tells her, you are pregnant. So while Hagar doesn't need Sarah, what Hagar was carrying needs Sarah. What Hagar was carrying, Ishmael, needed Abraham. Ishmael needed a family. He needed covering. He needed protection. He needed community. And we all carry something. And we need community to bring us to that calling. We need community to harness us, to empower us, to cultivate us, to nurture us, encourage us. And that's why when you become a member of SIBKL, you get that community. You get that family that will help you achieve your calling. You see, Hagar's calling was Ishmael. The birth of Ishmael. So for some of us, God is saying, you have walked away from the place of conception where I've given you hopes and dreams, anointing, empowerment. You have walked away. You are in the wilderness right now. Come back to the place of conception because this place of conception is also the place of birthing for you. It's where you will see the fulfillment of your calling. You will see the fulfillment of your destiny. You might be saying, God, it's too hard, it's too painful. That's why we have to say, we have to submit to God. We must understand why we need to deny ourselves. Why we need to deny our soul. I know it's a bit of a tough message to swallow. I get it. It's hard. It's hard for me wanting to deliver this message. It's also hard for me to walk it out. I can tell you that. I'm going through brokenness. God is breaking me. He's breaking my will. And sometimes, yes, I fight Him. Because sometimes I think I know better. <laughs> but how can you know better than God, right? And after today, you might think, hey, after listening to this message, it's quite, it's quite scary, it's quite crazy. I might actually take a few steps back. You know, I, you, you can, but let me tell you this. God wants to bring all of us through this process. It is a biblical process. When He blesses, He breaks so that we can be a blessing. And that breaking is not the natural breaking. It's making you whole. It's making you dependent on God. It's making you rely on God rather than self. So what you're carrying 
what you're carrying, you need to break your soul so that it can come to its fulfillment. Jacob carried his cross, his limb, and he became Israel. Moses carried his speech impediment, but this time with God, with a staff that God gave him, and God went before him. And he got the Israelites out of Egypt. He fulfilled his calling. All the prophets had their own breakings, and that was their cross to carry with them until the fulfillment of their calling. So the denying, the dying, the brokenness, the cross, it is all God. It's your will and not my will. How do we know that we are broken? We can see an example in the Bible. Saul was on the throne and God said, you are no longer king. What did Saul do? He held on to his power. He held on to his throne because he is not a broken man. David was on the throne and his son, Absalom, took the throne. What did David do? He walked away from the throne. Why? Because he cared for what God thinks. He cared for his people. He did not want war to come on Jerusalem. And the Bible says he walked barefooted up to Mount Olive. He walked away barefooted and he said this, if God finds pleasure in me, He will bring me back. But if He is not pleased with me, then I am ready. Let Him do to me whatever seems good to Him. His will. Not my will. David was a broken man. So my question today is, who are you going to be? Are you dying to live the life that you so determined that you want to have? Or are you in the process of dying so that you will live the life, the greatest life that God can ever give you? And yes, the process of denying self, dying self involves dying to your soul, involves brokenness, but it is aligning your will to God. See, church, we must move from being believers to followers and disciples of Jesus. And Luke chapter 9 says this, if you are my follower, if you are my disciple, deny yourself. Carry your cross daily. Carry your cross daily. For us, we think, hey, brokenness, brokenness, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. I'm suffering. I'm going to give up so much. But let me tell you, His brokenness is actually making you whole, making you more beautiful, more radiant than ever. You've heard the story of Pastor Adele. Wow, what glory she came out into. What beauty she emerged from. You know, beauty out of ashes. And God wants to do that for every one of us. He wants to give you more joy than you can ever contain. He wants to give you more peace than you can ever experience. He wants to give you more miracles than you can ever witness. And all you have to do is deny yourself. I'm going to get the musician and the singers to come up right now. We're going to sing this song. I'm going to ask right now. As we sing this song, if you have heard this message and you say, I want to be that person that deny self. I want to be that person that deal with my soul and I want to be that person so that the Holy Spirit, whatever is empowered me, anoint me, the calling, the power, the empowerment can then go through my soul into my body and release out into the multitudes, into the world. So yes, Lord, here we are, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would take everything, Lord. Lord, that you would take our self, that we would deny ourselves. You will bring us into denying ourselves. You will bring us into brokenness, Lord. And in this brokenness, Lord, Lord, teach us to be yielded. You teach us to surrender to you, Lord, so that our will can collide with your will and your will will emerge. 
your will will now become our will, Lord Jesus, so that the power, the anointing, the Holy Spirit, your equipping, everything that you've given us, the promises, the prophetic destiny, the purposes, now can go through our soul, can go through our soul and come out in our body and into the world. That's where we are, your disciples, Lord. So teach us, Lord, to be disciples and followers of Christ, not just believers, but moving into disciples. So teach us, Lord. Break us, Lord. And let us be yielded to you. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your word. And we ask, Lord, in the days and the weeks to come, Lord, Lord, that you reveal to us, Lord, that in the brokenness, Lord, it is you that is breaking us, Lord. It is you, Lord, and that we will not run away from this process, but Lord, we will run to you and say, Lord, have your way. So Heavenly Father, bless us, Lord, this day. Bless your sons and your daughters in this place. Bless the will that you have for them. And Lord, allow us, Lord, to align our will to your will so that we can walk in the will that you have blessed. So bless us, Lord. Give us favor. Shine upon us, Lord, and give us your shalom, peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Be with us, Lord, in the days and the weeks to come. We thank you, Lord, for your word. In Jesus' most mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Give a big hand to God. If you need ministry, you can come to the front. We have pastors. We have ministers here to pray for you. If not, we will see you next week. Amen, church. See you. And have a blessed week ahead.